0: Episode 94 of Gaming and BS, Random Encounters. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a RPG tabletop podcast where we talk about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett.
1: Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks.
0: All right. Let's get into announcements, Brett. Let's do that. Okay. What have you got, Sean? Uh, registration for Game GameHole is now open as of June 25th. Today's uh, recording is June 27th, or we will drop this on June 28th. Um, so if you haven't registered yet, you can go to GameHoleCon.com, sponsor the show, get your ass to Hole. No, on all that stuff. It's an event in November here in Madison, Wisconsin. Next milestone date for everybody will be July 30th, which will be the VIG event registration opens. So if you are a VIG badge holder, you can register for events as early as July 30. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, also, on top of that, let us know if you're coming to con, I'll have a link in the show notes to a place on our Google Plus forums. Um, Roger Brasley had mentioned, like, hey, we should, like, tell everybody if we're coming or not. And I said, good idea. And then mention where you're coming from, and then if we can, you know, all hook up and uh, meet each other um, face-to-face at Gamehole, then, hey, then we can do that.
1: Absolutely. Go get a beer, get a sandwich, hang out.
0: Throw dice at each other.
1: Well, always. That's that's a given. Right. Cool. And the other one in gaming uh, convention-related news, <clears throat> excuse me, Evercon, event uh, submission is open, evercon.org. Go to the uh, running games area and events. You can register your event. You can put a submission in saying, hey, my name's Sean, and I want to run some really kick-ass games up there in January. So, boom, you can get in there and get that rolling. My buddies and I who are... Uh, We're kind of uh, reorganizing the con. As I've said before, we're going to be at a new location up in the central Wisconsin-Wausau area and um, getting some deals set with hotels and some of those other things in the background, but uh, we want to get the event submission stuff going. We're working on a couple special guests. I'm hoping we can snag one in particular. We don't have uh, quite the... uh, you know, carefree approach that Alex Cameron and some of those guys do at game. Well, it's like, I'll be a little more stingy than Alex, but I'm hoping we can, we can snag at least one cool person that folks would want to come and see. So, uh, anyway, uh, Evercon event submission, as I say, is open. Feel free to check out our website, org. poke around, sign up, run some games for us. We could really use the help.
0: Yeah, I am, uh, I'm waiting for my people to get back to you, Brad, on that. Thanks.
1: Yeah, that's good. Because um, your people are also like the official podcast of the Evercon. So <gasps> that would be great.
0: <gasps> so be cool. Yeah.
1: I was able to pull a few strings, told my other guys on the Gaming and BS uh, network. And they said, well, if you, if you got an in, I guess we could use you. So there we go. There you go. Oh, and episode 100 trivia contest. Will you, uh, what, what the heck episode? Yeah, 94. Good Lord, we're closing in fast. So we'll keep this sucker open until just before episode 100. So go out there and uh, do the thing. It's gaming, in, put,
0: gaming and com forward slash trivia 100. Mm-hmm.
1: Fill in the stuff. See how right you are. See how horribly wrong you are. Regardless, get your stuff in there and get registered for our little drawing.
0: We have two people that have submitted info so far. So, hey, if you submit, you will have a 33% chance of winning something.
1: Exactly. Your odds, at this point, your odds are really freaking good that you're going to get something.
0: So, that's good. Do it! Exactly. All right. Let's go to the random encounter, huh?
1: Yes, do that, man.
0: Random encounter element segment of the show. Fielding emails, voicemails, social media from listeners. Um, I've we've put down the comments. We'll we'll rapid fire these off, Brett. These are in response to episode ninety three, which we covered board games and card games.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a cursory, very high level dive into Sean. I do not have the depth in this area, but it was it was fun to take a departure from the old uh, RPG perspective. I'll go first. Jason Hobbs Hobbs he says interesting episode. I spent too much time trying to think of another gamer in Maine for card games, I like Flux. And I just got Epic Spell Wars. I've heard good things about Epic Spell Wars.
0: Paul Daniel Seaman says, My wife and I have been playing a simple little two-player game based around competitive quilting called Patchwork. It's nice and short and doesn't tax our new parent brains more than necessary. Another game that I've played quite a bit this year is Space Alert. Holy cow. Talk about intense. Nice. Congratulations on being new father, Paul.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Congratulations, new parents. That's pretty cool. Yes. Another wee little gamer. Right. And Matt Martinez writes, okay, first off, Sean Kelly, you're full of crap about Euchre. I've seen people Matt. <laughs> oh, Matt Matt Martinez is a uh, he's a savvy dude, so we we'll have to take this. Uh this is this is gospel here. I've seen people take at least three tricks using super crappy hands based entirely on knowing just in which order to play those cards. While well, I'm unfortunate not to be one of those people, I played a ton of euchre in High School, so I got to see the type of strategy that can go into the game. One of my favorite card games is Sentinels of the Multiverse, which I know i posted about here before. It does an excellent job of emulating the superhero genre in a way that other super games can't quite manage. I've also played uh, Marvel Legendary, which is a good game, but doesn't really give you the feeling that you're playing a superhero. The Fantasy Flight's Lovecraft games, I've played Arkham Horror, Elder Sign, and Mansions of Madness. Those are all good. I, I have played all three of those. Those are fun. Uh, mansions is a lot of fun in that it's kind of a splits the difference between a board game and RPG he's absolutely right the uh, setup is kind of similar to Betrayal House of the Hill which I also love except that it requires one person to be a keeper and run the scenario also there are far fewer scenarios in the main game than there are in Betrayal however there are more expansions for Mansions like Arkham Horror Mansions of Madness can take a long time to play especially if you're not familiar with the rules my, my second session took about 8 hours <clears throat> yeah. that's a fair time It's no uh, joke and if you like Arkham Horror but want something a little shorter, I recommend A Touch of Evil. While it's not Lovecraftian in nature, it's far more akin to Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, the setup and gameplay are very similar. Of curiosity, has anyone here played Thunderstone? I really like the look of the art and I've been interested in playing a D&D-esque fantasy deck builder. Unfortunately, it's out of print, but our friendly local gaming store has a copy of the starter set.
0: I have not played Thunderstone. Sean, have you? I have not played Thunder... Thought you been Thunderstone! Oh God! Dun, dun, dun,
1: dun. Okay, I get some AC/DC guys. Around. Yeah, kick, right. Kick your ass. Next up, Jeff Rodemucker.
0: This is in my wheelhouse even more than RPGs. I've found never been a sheep set or euchre guy, but you pull out a cribbage board and I'm all over it. Fifteen two, fifteen four, fifteen six. Knobs, seven, pair for eight. <laughs> Keep going. And run of three. Anyways. One thing to consider for those RPG fans who can't stand board games is that there are a lot of games now that are RPGs in a box. Mice and Mystics, Star Wars Imperial Assault, and Zombicide Black Plague have campaigns and characters that you can invest in. It's worth checking out. Absolutely. Also, Also, there is a new set of legacy games, games that are intended to be one playthrough, but there is a campaign deck that you go through that fundamentally changes the game. The biggest one is pandemic legacy, and I think there's risk legacy as well. And you can you like write right. on you write on labels and you stick them on the board. I mean, it's wow. Okay, yeah, it's pretty once and done. Wow. Uh, you'd only get up to twenty four plays of the game for pandemic legacy, he says, but in that time, you're tearing up cards, putting stickers on the board, and altering the map based on your collective decisions. Love it. Very cool.
1: Mice and Mystics, I can absolutely. I, I have played that with my kids, and that's a damn fun game. Jim Fitzpatrick he says, I was surprised that the Pathfinder card game didn't get a mention in the episode. Oh. Oh, miss on our part, Jim. Oh. It's a gigantic pain in the ass to set up if you use the physical game, but the app is fantastic. Do
0: Inver- it! Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> apparently, <I> didn't mean- <laughs> we, apparently, we're supposed to set it up now. I was like paging through something and I inadvertently hit that. Sorry nice. about that, Brett.
1: If you're at all familiar with the Pathfinder universe, you have an anchor to the game. A little bit of deck building, a little bit of dice, solo mode, and co op. It's got a lot going for it. Sean, uh, be strong in your anti-Euchre stance, brother. Most overrated game ever, ever. Oh, my God.
0: Thank you, Jim.
1: Oh, could get a little bit more going here. Anyway, finally, I would uh, totally watch a live episode recording at a con if there was a meet and greet with Wayne and Gus after. Gus, it's time for the meet and greet. Wake up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh Joe Pretty Quick Swick says Is any other Bser a fan of Castle Panic? While well, I've picked up both expansions, I've only used the Wizards Tower expansion so far. Elder Sign is a fantastic game, and the Unseen Forces expansion is a great addition to the base game. Have you have you done that, Brett? I have
1: not played Castle Panic. I almost picked it up. I was looking for board games. I got Small World instead of Castle Panic. Um last time I was at um I'm bored here in Madison, one of the local game stores here. I picked up Yeah, Small World and an expansion for it, but I have not played Castle Panic. I should grab it. It's supposed to be a damn fun. I just haven't yet to do so.
0: That's what I call my house. Castle Panic,
1: <laughs> especially when, especially when, like the dog's crapping on the floor, the cat's
0: puking upstairs. <laughs> it turns to, in, it turns into Castle Panic. There you go. All right, uh, let's get into the main topic, shall we? Let's do it, man. Random encounters. Yes.
1: Which is not what we just went through, but a different thing.
0: That's right. Not to be confused <laughs> with a segment of the show where you talk about comments. Random,
1: random encounters. We're actually <laughs> talking about... <laughs> I want to talk about random encounters in our RPGs. How we use them. Do we use them. Good versus bad way and, and so forth. Um, uh, I'm looking at this. Uh, VC emailed us and mentioned this topic. And I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know, this is one of those things that I kind of have a love-hate relationship for. At least I used to back in the uh OSR days when that's what I played a lot of. And <clears throat> honestly, odd, odd enough thing, Sean, your um your wife had a little fender bender not that long ago, and that reminded me I'm like, this is the type of random and en- random encounter that I like to throw into my modern games, is a, you know, a mild car accident which inconveniences the heroes long enough that the bad guy gets away, or something like that. I've had characters have Flat tires, people stealing cars, you know, that have nothing to do with the plot at hand. But
0: anyway, kind of getting ahead of myself. So, so Sean, if you're in one of Brett's modern RPGs, don't own a car. Don't own a car. Don't ride, they, ride your bike or like <laughs> wa- run everywhere.
1: One of the, the classic quotes from elfin in one of the games was: This other guy, Gary, was playing with us, and his uh, his vampire character had purchased a lot of um, things, physical money. He was all. I owned all this stuff. He had property and cash and so forth, and things were happening, and he was losing stuff left and right. He goes, "My God, I I spent all these points, and it just it's going away." And Alpha looked up, shook his head, and said, "You never spend points on shit Brett can take." That was it. He's like, you only spend points on things he can't take without killing you. That was wow. that was that was the wisdom from Alpha. Wise advice said Alpha. <laughs> it 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 worked too because uh, Alpha would spend like things on. Like for him, and you never could take anything away from. Him. Anyway, Sean, what do you think about random encounters? Do you think it is it kind of an OSR, you know, fantasy thing only? What do you What do you think about him?
0: I do think it stems from the old school stuff. I mean, like I think every yeah. But do you, do you like them? Do you do you see them as kind
1: of a, a throwback? That kind of they're out there, but eh, who uses that shit? I mean, what's your what? Do you use them?
0: I look back upon them with quite uh, a fondness because i remember going through my dog is scratching himself and it's like coming through my ceiling of my basement it's driving me crazy random encounter it is
1: like (laughs) noise upstairs distract distract sean
0: i'm listening i uh roll for uh listen yeah hear noise and i got my freaking dog going whap 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 I apologize. Anyways, uh, I look back with some fondness about random encounters because I remember as a kid, we would be going through an adventure, typically a dungeon probably, and we'd sit there and if we take t- it took too much time to decide on something, the DM would roll for a random encounter. And it wasn't like... And there were charts for that shit too, right? You're like, oh, look, you're on the third level of the dungeon, troll. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. Um. Ex- yes. Which is like, so we would be like, dudes, we got to make a decision or else a creature is going to come wandering down the hall. Like it wasn't because we made a lot of noise. Maybe later when we figured out the game, like, hey, if you make noise, you will attract a monster. But it was because outside the game, we were like screwing around or taking too much time. Oh, so that prompts the magic random encounter. <laughs>
1: Oh, the ethereal mummy that always hits and does maximum damage. Oh, great.
0: Yeah, well, even in, uh, I was just reading, what is it, B1? Search of the Unknown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you actually unknown. populate that, that module. Like, it's an account, like, each room is like, blah, 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 and then it says monster, and you write in the monster. Yeah, it's designed to help you build dungeons and so yeah, forth. It's, yeah. a not tutori- maybe, it's a tutorial. Yeah, it's probably not a random encounter-based kind of scenario that is, but
1: well, when I went when I look back at the random encounters, the ones I couldn't stand, what would happen is that they were kind of fun for a while back in the day. And then someone would be like, what the fuck is a beholder doing? Wandering around, where's what? how this thing happen? And then some and this is, you know, as you're growing up, you're trying to put some logic or reality into the to the game world, <clears throat> or at least a setting, and somebody's like, okay, why would this be here? And finally the DM would have to be like, look, it's just a random encounter, let it go. I'm like, oh, fine, but – and then kind of left a taste in your mouth like, yeah, these things should have a meaning. And then I remember reading – I was reading a um, – God, it's the – it's a Forgotten Realms under Ilifarn. Uh It's a zero-level adventure where you, you make your way up. And all the random encounters in there have – um, there's like five trolls, six of this or whatever. And each description for those is a blurb saying this is why they're here and this is what they're doing. Oh, and if you've done this other encounter, this only happens once. Don't worry about it or or whatever. Some parameters in which you would use it. And <clears throat> some of my uh, – and I didn't know how – that was very – so I got used to doing that in a fantasy game, right? If you're out in the, the desert and you want to beat the crap out of the players, you have a behir or a blue dragon or something crazy comes swooping along. It's just on a hunt. Oh, my God, it's there, and it flies off. Like, well, they live out here. These, these things happen. Same with forests and dungeons and so on. Then we started playing modern games, especially Vampire, The Masquerade, back uh, back when I did that heavy. One of my favorite bits of the uh, Chicago by Night, the first book, uh, the first edition of it, was in the back. It had a number of things, basically random encounters. It had, like, if you're here at this part of Chicago, that part of Chicago, and then it had, like, a weird non-sequitur type of thing, like, just oddness that could happen. Um, one of them was somebody would walk up. And, you know, hand the character Rose, mistaking them for somebody else. There's no connection to any plot or storyline. It's just a truly random thing that could happen that causes a, uh, kind of a pause or a hit. One of my favorite things I did to uh, the girl I was dating at the time when she was playing vampire, I had a, her uh, Toreador, I had a group of people accidentally throughout the entire night session for eight hours, she had water or some kind of liquid spilled on her constantly and I decided it was just, it's just one of those days where you you just constantly you're like, oh, oh, spilled something again. We've all had that in real life. And I'm like, oh, she's just having a shitty day. She's going to get wet. And uh it turned out to be a lot of fun to do that type of thing. So those to me are the types of random encounters that they're either I kind of break them down like this. I'm like, if they're happening, there's a reason they're happening. Like they're this dungeon where it's located it would have a giant python somewhere in it because I happen to be in a swamp, in a jungle or something. Or I'm in the forest, and there's a goblin tribe in the forest, therefore I could have a goblin random encounter. If it's a city game, city-type stuff could happen, as I alluded to earlier. Um, You could be driving down the street. You could have a mild fender bender. You could get pulled over for speeding. Um, uh, Some cop decides he's going to pull you over and try to shake you down for money. Hey, you got a broken tail, like smash, you know, one of those types of things. Or somebody mistakes you for someone else. They come up and start talking to you. I've had that happen where someone came up and started talking to me at GaryCon this last year, swore that I was somebody else. I'm like, dude, not that person.
0: Ned? But, Ned Ryerson? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> needle, not quite.
0: Needle nose, Ned?
1: <laughs> not quite. Um. So I I like them, but I don't... Um. To me, they're... They tend to be a list of, I, they started out, I would make lists or pull different lists together and pick ones that I thought would be interesting. And I started doing that much more than I ever really did the the random die roll because I'd roll it and go, ah, I don't want bugbears. boring. Oh, this sounds more interesting. And then in, once I started realizing that I was constantly re-rolling on the rolling table, I'm like, what the fuck am I rolling for? I'll just pick what I think is cool. and I'll go with that.
0: Hey, I applaud that move. Sounds pretty railroady to me. <laughs> Brett like, pick, doesn't oh, want to nice. pick his shit because it's like well, that's it. Roll. It's like this. That's boring. That's boring. I don't like that one. <laughs> that's not dangerous enough.
1: Oh, that's oh, there. It. We go. That like, exactly. And then at a certain point, <coughs> excuse me. Like fine, fuck it. It's a beholder. Yeah, because that's what I need. I think. I think though that having having some of that randomness, if it, like I said. Cat's character getting wet, like somebody spilled water on here. Someone spilled wine on her. Someone bumped into her and dumped a beer on her in a, in a tavern or in a bar, excuse me. This, this shit happens. And there's a weirdness of saying, you know, that happens in real life. And that weird little, um, inconsequential event made the world feel more real. And then if you're playing a game and you're in a certain area and you're accosted by a gang, a press gang or, Or um, goblins, or trolls, or what, or what have you, Um, and you know that's in the. There's a reason they're there, that also helps make the world feel more real, and I think that there's something to that when the players don't know what to do, it's kind of that, (coughs) it's kind of that that statement of ninjas burst through the door, right? Something has to happen, you know. It 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 doesn't have to be simply to punish people, but like something happens. You know, there's a conversation, it's dragging, it's lagging, something's not quite working. You don't have to shoot someone in the head, but you can have somebody nearby you get shot because it was, you know, some other altercation in a bar. Gunshots go off. It's nothing to do with your characters, but now you've got to deal with it because suddenly there's a fracas. Okay. Okay, so Sean, what do you think about all this? Is this how do you how do you do random encounters? Do you do random encounters? Are there random encounters on the train, or is it just
0: scenery that goes by? Oh, the train. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is. I don't use them very often nowadays because I think they're kind of like I said, more. They're definitely more prominent in the original AD&D Times Worlds modules. Back I mean, in
1: our day, it, games were simple and easy,
0: that's right. They had the tables and all the damn modules where you would roll for a random encounter, or even just the uh, the monster manual had like the percentages of them appearing. I think that's what it was called. Percent we have of,
1: percent in layer where, where right. if you encounter the creature, there's a certain chance that's actually in its layer versus wandering. Right. The DMG and different areas all had. You're in the swamp you should roll on this chart. You're in the forest or mountains. It would roll on this chart.
0: I like them. Uh, I don't know if I used them in the star Wars game or not. I think I'm, did I have anybody like bump? I did it. Did I have somebody bump into somebody here or there? Probably. Oh yeah. I like them. I like them if they make somewhat sense. Um, I think you do have to, it's funny. I kid about the party that, we had would kind of screw around and not decide on what to do. And then the DM would just launch a random encounter. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, they're really not doing anything. I'm going to prompt or push the situation into them having to do something. And guess what? It's going to be something wandering down the hall, Mm -hmm. or it's going to be some goofy lost tourist that Wanders up to the party like they know them.
1: See, though, that type of random encounter is honestly my favorite. Like from just a getting things moving and changing perspectives. Combat can, Stephen, <clears throat> especially. How do I do this? When I read the old D anD D ones, you're like, oh, it's a troll, it's five bugbears, it's one d six carrying crawlers, happen to be, whatever. But every once in a while, you'd read one which I thought was more fun, which would be the concept of oh, someone's spilling water on you, or a mistaken identity, or you know, drunk takes you for his best friend and, right. and insists on hanging around you. Those types of things get they to me elicit more role playing. You know, it gets people to do stuff. What do you do? This guy, hey, Sean, I love you, man. This, oh, this is so cool to see you. Like, dude, this you got a totally different Sean. No, he's such a name, Sean. He's like my friend, man. It's not me, dude. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. It's only, you know, and it goes. You got to get this guy out of here, man. Get out of here, dude. And not only do you want him out of there, but you're like, I'm going to fucking stake out. Why is this guy? Get this drunk drunk ass off me. Everyone's drawing attention to me. He's fumbling at me. He's going to see the badge and the gun I've got hidden in my coat here. Get off, go off, go, go, go. You know, those kind of encounters, it's not combat oriented, it's inconvenient. It's um it's a talky role play type encounter, and it can it spawns other actions right. If you're being watched, and it it can prompt the characters in action. As I said, it, um I used to do this in vampire because vampire always took place in large cities, where in Chicago they'd be doing they'd be in a tavern or a bar or a nightclub, especially a nightclub. would be going on and someone would OD right next to them, and people were like oh my god oh my god she's ODing, and people would start to panic, and you're standing right there. And so the crowd's moving. Bouncers are coming, move aside, move aside. People are shoving people. And the dude you were watching or trying to shadow, he or she turns around and sees your character who goes, oh, fuck, she just saw me. And then it, it causes action. Instead of just sitting there in the thing for two, three hours, what do you do? I'm still watching. I'm still watching. Do something. The character's in the uh, in the nightclub waiting for action. or that the NPC is going to give them a clue of some sort. And if they're not actively getting the clue they're passively doing it if I have that kind of a random non-combat based encounter happen it forces action either the player character needs to move away from the weird social event that's happening or the NPC sees the social event goes fuck I'm out of here and starts to move or acts differently or they suddenly feel threatened and a gunfight breaks out and then your players like oh crap I gotta do something that makes the that makes the action happen to me, and I do the same thing in dungeons. Even you know, you, you encounter a lone goblin, some, and the lone goblin's hungry. He's looking <laughs> that for mistake, food.
0: And mistakenly identifies you and is hammered. <laughs> no,
1: maybe you never. <gasps> know. Fighter, hey,
0: fighter! I know you, man.
1: So my Avalon Get the hell game. out
0: of here, goblin. So my Avalon
1: game. My buddy Lenny is uh, mucking around in the sewers, trying to find a secret passage from this tavern he bought to another one. He finds this goblin roaming around through the dungeon. The goblin's terrified. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I just want to know something." And the goblin promises he'll get him where he needs to go as long as he gets him a pie. And he's uh, like, a, a pie? Yes, I want a pie.
0: Never trust an adventure. Never. Because they, they get your number on their sword.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, let Lenny fetches the goblin a pie, and then he threw this weird little thing. I just thought it'd be quirky and kind of cute. There's a goblin. He wants a pie. He gives him a meat pie. The goblin's happy as hell. Helps him out. And now the goblin keeps coming back to the inn and like knocking on the trap door in his office, going, More pie? I know more well, stuff. That, he's constantly <laughs> pestering pa- him for pie and things. Well,
0: you, that's why you never feed the goblin. It's like you goblin. never feed a cat. They'll, they'll come around your door <laughs> so you all keep the time. Coming. Yeah.
1: But those, that was a random encounter that blossomed into something else. And I think, depending on how the role playing opportunity pans out, you can find out that, wow, they, I had the bartender act a certain way just to be kind of gruff and rude because I thought it'd be kind of a cute little social random encounter that he doesn't like dwarves for some reason. That's the random encounter. And then for some reason, Sean the d- playing the dwarf decides, no, I've got a mission to make this guy like me. And like, okay, suddenly the bartender's a guy, you know, those, those things happen. I
0: think so that's now cool. Lenny's character and the goblin are dating. No, they're not dating, <laughs> but they have a very close relationship. Well, they haven't
1: good. taken it. They haven't taken it to that level well, yet. It's still early yet. Very early. Now, that said, though, I do think that the the combat random encounter does absolutely have its uses. It's that classic kick in, you know, ninjas burst in the door. <clears throat> you're somewhere, you're talking, if you want to ratchet up tension, you know, have the sniper on the roof miss you, but kill the, kill the homeless guy in, on the street. Or while you're talking to the cop, the bad guy misses you and shoots the cop in the arm. Or... You know, <coughs> or the, the mage gets fried, you know, sometimes it's just that close and kind of like, oh my God, that was meant for me. And it's quote unquote, just an NPC, but you waste that individual and then the player character's like, fuck, and then they start moving. They got to do something because, you know, shots fired, they got to figure this out. So I think that the um, the combat random encounter still has a lot of validity. I just don't, I don't like the pure randomness of it. <laughs> you know, it has to feel, it like it has to feel random but it's not really random,
0: right? That's—I mean, that, it's—you know what I mean. I just have this like—I just envision this scenario where it's like, hey, something's, you hear something, it's coming down the hallway, and then as soon as you like vaporize that thing, it's like, oh, you hear something, it's coming down the hallway, it's coming down the hallway, and like one after the other, it's just this one thing that keeps you know. Random encounter every time. Oh, roll, roll, roll. Oh. Here's something. Oh, Have you what? saved the
1: princess yet? No. I mean, don't no read. There's a friggin' XP machine in this hallway, man. We just keep making noise on this corner and everything just keeps rolling. So the other the other thing I think with um like I, I was kind of alluding to it with the with the Goblin Who Wants Pie. Is you uh you can you can develop side quests through random encounters. You know, it's that it's almost a uh <clears throat> a piece from the video game world if you will where you know my my oldest boy likes uh, still plays skyrim quite a bit and he'll roam roam around trying to talk to everybody he can just trying to get quests because he wants to do shit right which is what you, which is what you do and when character, when you're a hero if uh, if you're playing a D&D or even a sci-fi game or a superheroes game when you are a hero you'll be accosted and bothered by people conceivably who want you to do stuff for them and how many times can you put off the person who wants you to save their wife or their daughter or really needs this thing done or really wants to be your sidekick um, before something starts to happen, right? So it's it's a random thing that I throw it out there say, hey, this will be fun. This kid wants to be taking a, a pitch from uh, the Disney movie The Incredibles. This kid wants to be your sidekick, Mr. Incredible. And Sean's like, yeah, whatever, kid, go away. It made a cute random encounter. I'm like, you know, it was kind of fun the way Sean dealt with, you know, Snot Nose Junior. So, hey, guess what? Snot Nose Junior's back, Mister Caleb, I want to be your sidekick again. He's like, dude, enough with that. And then, do I turn Snot Nose Junior into a supervillain at some point? You're like, oh my god, little bastard's a supervillain.
0: Well, that just shows you that if you run into that type of situation, you gotta kill that
1: kid. Just waste the kid. If he, if an NPC, if you have a random encounter more than once. It's a plot by the game master, kill it. That's right. That's what, that's what we've learned from
0: that. Because it will not come back to bite you in the ass if you kill it. Unless, of course, it has vengeful, vengeful, vengeful siblings or. Which, of course, it does. Well, that's true. So, never mind. It doesn't matter what you do, right? It doesn't yeah. matter, Brett.
1: Does it? <laughs> doesn't. No, matter? it doesn't. There we go.
0: Doesn't matter. <clears throat>
1: So, Sean, seriously, though, when you when you're playing D&D or a game because you run more modules in in, uh, stock adventures like that, do you look at when you see the random encounter tables or ideas and so forth? Do you pick the ones that you like you think would be the most fun based on how the players are going or do you roll randomly? What's your what's your preference?
0: I do like to pick to make it some random encounter tables are very, you know, here's a list of monsters roll. Which is fine. It doesn't matter then, really. But if it is kind of a cooler table that produces different dynamics from one result to the next, then I would probably pick if I had a choice. I might, but you know, I might do the DM roll or GM roll, see what comes up, and if it's good, great. If it isn't, then a re-roll, which is just picking anyway. But I'm I'm kind of letting the dice somewhat pick.
1: Have you ever done the uh, let the characters let the players roll on the random table?
0: Uh, we I, we have in the past. I mean, I've played in games with GMs that have done that. We're like, "Hey, give me a roll," and you're like, "Oh, oh shit, what's that for? What, what do you need? Percentile? Uh, is high good or low good? <laughs> like, I don't okay, know. You oh, tell me. <laughs> okay, you know, ninety eight. Uh and then see, it's like, whatever.
1: See, Matt, Matt Colville, I was watching his uh, his YouTube channel around uh, running D&D, and he was talking about how he always has his players' role on the random counter charts, where he has the players' role on charts.
0: Yeah, I like that because it's like, you guys are, hey, don't blame me. You're rolling this shit. Now, the <laughs>
1: the, the, the fun thing, of course, is that depending, you're the one with the chart, right? So well, Brett, Brett rolls a yeah. 12, 12, and Sean's like, I don't fucking care. The Sean Train's going, baby. Guess what? It's Bugbears. I don't give a fuck what you roll, man. It's like, Bugbears.
0: That is the that is the key, right? That's the illusion there, of players have. Illusion of that's, randomness.
1: Illusion of control.
0: That's right. That's that's what the game is about, Brett. I know. It's man. about thinking the players are doing what they actually want to do. But they're not. See, the cool thing though is even if you don't do even if you
1: pick. Instead of having the players roll, if you're paying attention to what the characters are up to, what the players are looking for and so forth, and where they're at, where they're stationed, and the type of um, – if you have that character who has developed their their bard as this flamboyant, very ostentatious, everybody knows who I am, I'm, I'm big on this, it's a great opportunity to use that. And oh my God, you're Felix the Fine. You're the best bard in town. And then everybody freaking mobs you. Like, oh my God, like walk, Gene Simmons walking on the street. Christ, someone noticed you. And there's people all over. So that itself can be the random encounter, dipping into the, the character backgrounds, dipping into the world, the environment background. You know, if you've been in this town for a while and you saved somebody and you have a m- mild bit of notoriety, I could see this in a Dungeon Crow Classics DCC adventure. You're in a town, you've done some good, you've rescued a few people from some horrible monsters. Well, guess what? You're the, you're the people everyone comes to. You know? You're Dead, you're the cleric. Yeah. You can you can do stuff. People come, "Can you please bless my baby? Can you help my child? Can you my my daughter can't is, you know, crippled. I I need some help here." You know, those things aren't necessarily, I mean, that could happen during story out of story. But you could be walking down the street trying to go talk to the mayor about something important and be accosted by this mother and father and their poor daughter who, you know, is paralyzed and they they want your help desperately and you're a paladin. You're the paladin who did all this good. Why will you not help us? Oh, um it's again, it's a role playing random encounter, but tipping into the player characters' backgrounds and so forth, because as I say, the truth is at the table. And if that's something that they want to play with, you can use that in a random encounter format. To pull out more about the characters. And I think I've done that in the past. I think that's a lot of fun.
0: I can't wait to run my game at game hole because that's what it's that's the whole premise of the game. Random encounters. Random encounters, man. Just, you're you're just a body in the a, trunk. Instead of laying
1: out a map, you're just gonna you're gonna put down five tables and give everyone a die and say roll. <laughs> you're you got a body in the trunk. Oh you're, head, f- you're
0: heading to the desert to bury the body because you're a bunch of mobsters what could possibly go wrong nice (laughs) it's like you know such an easy one shot like here we go the
1: the cool thing about that is say if you came in there and you said look there's 20 things that could fucking go wrong this is so cool i got 20 really good ideas (laughs) that's right and you're sitting down there and you got you know chris phil brett and kevin sit down and like oh my god Chris and Phil and Brett, they just said this thing and they giggled about it. Like, boy, wouldn't it be funny if X happened? And you're like, hey, hey, guess what, guys? It's just like that, but blue. Oh,
0: son of a bitch. Yeah.
1: Again, I think if you pay attention to the players, you know, when they're like, you know what? We got to be careful. We got to be careful. This could happen. This could happen. At a certain point, you're like, you know what? <laughs> they're literally asking for it. Practically, you know,
0: right. Done. Boom. Serve Flat it up tire. on a silver platter
1: and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the players may go, "Oh god, we got to keep it quiet. You can't do that all the time, right?" If every right. time they say, "Boy, I wish I had a pie." Boom, there's a pie. "Oh, I wish I had a, you know, steak dinner." A steak dinner appears. That gets kind of boring. You know, you're you're a DM, not a, you're a game master, not a concierge, you know. But when they're feeding you, even if the game system doesn't have a mechanic for invoking that type of thing, you can Read the table, see who's doing what, see who's interested in what, and start feeding it to them.
0: I think, think honestly, more adventures, whether they're homebrew or published, should incorporate a lot of those uh, things. I think it should be like, um, here's a Pathfinder campaign arc, blah, blah, blah. This is kind of the overarching story of this particular module. And I think when you get to a particular encounter, you there should be in not all of them, but Mm -hmm. every once in a while there should be an encounter with a random encounter piece to it. So, what happens if you're going to meet with Baba Bushka in the you know middle of the desert, or the jungle, or swamp, or whatever that is, and you're going to negotiate with her? What could possibly go wrong? I don't know.
1: I get it. Actually, this just dawned on me is that I think part of my journey to how I I improv more at the table and so forth is through the use of random encounters. I learned a lot of that stuff through my vampire game, picking through the back of that Chicago by night book and saying, ooh, this would be cool. I'll do this random encounter to somebody tonight and then land it out there and seeing what they did with it. (laughs) And sometimes it would distract the entire table. For six hours. They would be digging into a thing that had nothing to do with anything. It was fun, though. And a random encounter, unless it is specifically tied to the storyline or the hook, um, it might not. But it's really cool. And the player's like, I really like that. I want to learn more about this, this quote-unquote random thing that just happened. It feels like it was planned. I want to dig into it a little bit more. And that was kind of a training wheel for me for a lot of the improv stuff I do now. Is that I can have a random thing happen. If you guys react to it in a certain way, I guess is the best way to describe it. I'm like, oh, they like this. I'm going to go with it. If they don't like it, I'll go back onto what I had already planned. I have something. I I have a concept in my head. Two encounters later, I throw something differently, quote unquote, random at you or something that seems like it would be fun, a piece in my head. Oh, wow. Sean and the guys and Chris and Phil and you know Angela, they're really into that. Angela really liked it. Guess what I'm doing? I'm digging into it now. Now that might very well become a huge component to the plot line. And I'm going to weave that back into it because this random thing that I did or that I thought would be fun is how I develop the world and the adventure. I think I, I don't know if I just,
0: I don't know if I just uncovered something in my own head, how that works, but that's, I think that's what I've been doing. I think. Well, and sometimes somebody may argue, so I can hear somebody argue like, well, then it's not random. And I say, well, maybe it's not. But I think that there should be, there could be something that, comes up and maybe it is random to the fact that whether or not it's triggered. Right. So if you're, you know, Baba Bushka's swamp, maybe it's something you've taken from somebody else. It's probably not, maybe it's not even written in the module. Like yeah. you killed, you killed a group of bandits and you pull something off of them. You have it. And then when you're talking to her, you you pull out something to give to her and, you, and she sees it and she sees it and it falls on the ground, something along those lines. Then what does that create? Maybe it's from somebody that she knew. Maybe it's something she wants. I'll tell you
1: in certain games, like an OSR game or a DCC, which has, again, has this OSR feel, um, there is something that is really cool with a purely random table. That's how the combat that to me, sometimes they're combat driven, there, that's a little more fun um, for, for the purely random ones. And that's in <clears throat> you're behind enemy lines and you're sneaking through an orc encampment and having a series of things that like this stuff could happen or I'm in the troll moors and guess what? There's free troll! I told you guys there's trolls everywhere or I'm going to swim across the lake of deadly, you know, vampiric piranhas. If you don't have a certain chance that a deadly vampiric piranha is going to come up, you know, with the shrieking eels or whatever else happens, you you know what what's the point? So I think sometimes that random the pure random table from a combat perspective or a, a vicious encounter um is in helps to set the stage in the and the setting itself as well, right? If it's a troll if this this moor is well known to be infested with trolls, okay, you go in there. And if there isn't a chance that you're going to find a troll or a decent table that says, you know, one through five, troll, 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 no troll, no troll. I mean, you should have a fairly good chance that you get fucked up by some trolls. And I think that that itself can then help make it so that the players feel lucky when they get through it versus like, oh, my God, we only got got ambushed by 12 trolls that time. At least it wasn't 50 because, fuck, how many times did we roll, for God's sakes? There's something cool in that.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes they can mess with players too, right? So say for example you're playing in a modern RPG, you go to the Casino Royale, you sit down at a table, to play some blackjack or baccarat or whatever. The casino um cocktail waitress pours a drink on you. Was it intentional? Was it not? Does the player think one way or the other?
1: <gasps> Especially based on the fact that you know you're in enemy territory. Right. Right. You snuck in, you're in the horrible necropolis of the undead lich, Nerul the Wanderer. And you're like, okay, I hope Nerul the Wanderer doesn't, his one of his minions don't find out I'm really not one of his, you know, sycophantic followers. And somebody bumps into you and goes, hey, didn't I know you? And you're like, oh, fuck. And there's nothing else. You know, it's nothing bad. It's just a pure case of mistaken identity. Right. Then we go to high school. Oh my God, this is great. You're, you're a sycophantic follower of New World of the Wanderer, too. Oh, this is awesome, man. Let's go talk to him. Let's go talk to him. Oh, shit. Oh, you boy. <laughs> yeah. This isn't good. Cool. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, man. You got anything else?
0: No, I don't think so. I think we can move on. Let us know how you use random encounters if you do or not. Absolutely. I'd like to hear uh, more about it. I know we've got
1: plenty of uh, OSR folks out there and other folks. Like Tim Jensen and others are into the small book games and other things. I'm curious um, how guys like Tim and others who um, play those types of games, how do they incorporate that? Do they incorporate it, or do some of the um, some of those newfangled systems do they have mechanisms to handle it better? So it'd be kind of cool. Always up for learning.
0: All right, die roll two to four miscellaneous points of. Gaming or Geekery, we want to share with you. Brett's got a couple. I've got three. I outdo Brett again this week. Brett? Eh, it happens. And (laughs) we've got a couple from from the listener pool.
1: Exactly. So um, there is a robot in Russia, an artificially intelligent Russian robot, that apparently has attempted to escape its research lab on two separate occasions. Uh, Link out there in the show notes. This is... um, this is one of those pieces that in a, uh, a sci-fi game, a modern game, anything like that, it's just kind of a – I think homunculus tries to escape or does something crazy. It's fun. And this is also, for no other reason, more evidence to Brett's theory that um, artificially intelligent robots should be destroyed on site. So I think that's – I think it's just more proof of that.
0: So it's got to be something weird because, <clears throat> let's face it, I mean, Russia –
1: in Russia, I the mean, robots run from you. Is that what you're doing? Do the do Smirnoff thing. What are you
0: doing? Dude, they make motorcycles that are built like from the 1930s to this modern day. Like, I don't. It's got to be some mad scientist thing going on over there. Clearly, like, yeah.
1: Well, that, right there, there, there's your hook. Mad well, scientists making insanely um, necro-powered robots that are trying to flee back to the graveyard where their bodies are hidden. Yeah. Whatever. Somebody make something of that. All the pieces are there. Somebody make a plot. The next one I have is ah, uh, let's see here. We have Puppetland. Puppetland. Puppetland is from Arcane Publishing. It's on sale. It was. It's normally the PDF is forty bucks. It's down to twenty. It's cut in half on Drive Through RPG. Puppetland is the um, Punch and Judy Army of Nutcrackers. It's all sorts of craziness. This is uh, one of those weird games that I should I shouldn't necessarily say weird. It was kind of I guess when I think about the indie revolution is small book press and so forth. This is one of those kind of cutting edge games that Tynes did that I think is pretty freaking cool. So anyway, it's out there. I don't have a copy of it. I've heard about it and I've been kind of half looking for one every once in a while. I think I might go out and grab this one, but anyway, I want to tell people about it. So there we go.
0: All right. Over to you, sir. Wargaming in the classroom and odyssey. Article written by a professor at the Marine Corps War College. So if you are into um, war gaming, maybe, or the college? No, probably not that. Hmm. It's a little thing that this individual had written as a blog entry that I thought would interest gamers.
1: I'll tell you, man, I have between you, Wayne... My buddy John. I've met more ex-military gamers, like from people in a certain background. I've actually met more ex-military gamers than ex-IT than either ex or current IT people. Almost every tons of gamers I've met are former military. Tons of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's something about um, being locked in a barracks with nothing else
0: else to do. Maybe <laughs> you want to I never gamed when I was in. Never, I never okay. gamed when I was in. It was a period. It was the dark times. Where Those was the dark times. I knew guys. I knew guys. They walked right by me, and they're like going to play D anD D. And I kind of chuckled because it was something where I hadn't played in a long time, and I thought I just kind of got away from it. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe these guys are still playing. And then I thought, now I look back and go, what the fuck was I playing shit, for? Man, I should have been like, hey, dudes, can I get in on that? I don't know. It was weird. Uh anyways, uh Hellboy game and sourcebook complete RPG from our buddy Steve. Did you know that was out there, Brett? Let me take a look. Did you not know? It says oh. it's out of print, so I imagine it's probably old.
1: Yes, it is old. I actually bought a copy of this from uh Wayne. Oh, did you really? Yeah, this is the um the GURPS it's a powered version is what you're talking about?
0: No, I don't think it's a I think it's its own RPG. I didn't know it was GURPS. It's not a GURPS supplement.
1: Well, the link you have is to the Steve Jackson website, and it's powered by GURPS. I have the book.
0: Oh, I, well, it reads in the description where I didn't know. Because I was trying to figure out, is it a GURPS supplement, or is it its own RPG?
1: It's its own RPG. I, I have a copy of it, and it's it's a uh, hard copy of it, but it is a powered by GURPS.
0: I gotcha. It's fun. You've played it.
1: I have not played, but it looks awesome. I like Hellboy, so,
0: I mean, right. I could easily get into it. Uh, and then number three, all rolled up. So if you haven't seen all rolled up, it's this place that makes some D, uh, RPG accessories. Like you can get this thing that you can put your dice in your pencils and then whatever your index cards. And then it rolls up and then you can tie it like a little scroll thingy. Yeah. So, so this one, they did a fold up dice tray. Holy so it's crap. A, it's a dice tray that's kind of made out of felt cloth, and then you kind of sni- snap the ends together. It's got like a leather or full leather backing
1: with some felt in the middle,
0: huh. right? And then you snap the ends together to to kind of raise up the edges, and that becomes your little <laughs> folding dice tray you can have. So for those, if you have players like I've had players where I always get one person who seems to like have to kind of they kind of eek when they they roll their dice. They're kind of like scrunch up their shoulders, and they're like. If you, you know play what?
1: with my son, Connor, you know what it's like to chase dice across the room.
0: Oh, so he's uh, one yeah, of those... He, that,
1: he's one of those guys. That, it doesn't matter how gently he rolls it. I have a dice tower on the table specifically for him, because if he doesn't use the dice tower, the dice go everywhere. I don't know what the hell... It, it's not like he's throwing them with incredible force or something. It's just If he picks up dice, they're going on the floor.
0: Well, here, here's a solution for you, Brett. Yet another good solution. I like it. Yeah. And then we've got a couple others. That's what I got.
1: Very nice. Hey, anyway, over to the list stuff. Victor Wyatt called my attention to a previously unseen map by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien of Middle Earth. So there's a little YouTube uh, video out there. <clears throat> I guess it comes down to uh, when Tolkien was first doing some publishing, um, hand-drawn maps and so forth. Um, of Middle-earth and how it would be used and how he further developed it. So I'm a Tolkien file uh, at a certain level, and it was, it's pretty cool. I like I like this type of thing. So thank you, Victor Wyatt, for calling our attention to that. Link, of course, in the show notes, and it's also out on our Google Plus community where Victor had posted
0: it. So I don't think, um, just my opinion, Brett, I don't think you're a Tolkien file unless you know how to speak Elvish. <sighs> you got me there. You got me there. All right, so it's something to strive for. Next.
1: Uh, I'm on it. Next is... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me Michael Holland points out mystics mapping system static cling maps for RPGs Kickstarter. We have what 14 days left as of this recording. So this is a do do it is a it's a vinyl static cling material to create high quality custom maps for tabletop role playing games. got a link in the show notes. Go take a look at it. Um, it looks kind of cool. I think they're they're not quite there yet. They've got a bit more to go. And anyway, take a look, uh, see what you think about it. I think it looks pretty damn slick. So I figured we'd uh, give these guys a little shout out.
0: When you were a kid, Brett, did you ever play with those static cling little yes, absolutely, man. scenery things? You would put <laughs> stupid things on all over? Yep. Like absolutely. the Scooby, Scooby-Doo Scooby ones or yep, something? Yeah, Scooby-Doo
1: ones. Yeah, all those. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're young and you don't know what those are, boy. You <laughs> if you're miss? young and
1: you don't know what they are, you need to get it on, on this Kickstarter so you can enjoy oh. the things that Sean and I did when we were younger. There you go.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we mentioned Game Hall earlier. Sponsor, we're they're sponsoring the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we're involved with them. We've got some events running. What events are you running, Brett? I have. <coughs>
1: damn. Excuse me. I have a uh, MURP a Middle Earth role playing game. Uh, one that's going on there, and I also have a Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First Edition that I'll be running.
0: Sweet. I will be running Savage Worlds. Forget about it. And a, a Force Five from Alderaan using the Fantasy Flight Games uh age of rebellion rules um crossing it over a little bit with the Inglorious glorious bastards kind of approach to star nice. wars nice that'll be yeah. fun
1: and depending what's going on we've got a couple seminars to catch and sean and i'll be roaming around we um if you're under our banner we've got some uh, gaming abs tables we should hopefully be able to have and if we've got free space and we've got time i plan to Maybe pack a board game or two, sit down with folks. Maybe we might do some kind of off-grid stuff there, too. You never know. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a hell of a good time. I got plenty of vacation time. Set aside for, I got the Thursday. I, mean, I am taking the Monday off this, this time. Last year, I did not take the Monday off. I had to go right to work. That was fucking stupid. I'm not doing that again. I'm too old for that shit. I need that day to recover. <laughs> See, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You can. I just I listen, The older dog of Sean taught me that, hey, young pup, Here's the thing you do.
0: I have wisdom. You have wisdom. Yes. Uh, so get your ass to con. Go to gameholecon dot com and register uh, and and check that out and sign up for their newsletter so you can get updates on when stuff's going on.
1: And after Gamehole, don't forget we got EverCon in January.
0: So and EverCon in January. Uh, this show brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Aguirre, Misdirected Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Palladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jefferson, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, the Knights of the Night Crew, Jason the Beer Blaylock, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Habs Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Mirko, Froilich, Wayne, Lumrunner Hunfleet, and James Carpio not Caprio. Caprio. We want to welcome James as the new Patreon awesome. who we have met at GaryCon.
1: Gary yep. James is James is awesome. He's a lot of fun.
0: And James has done some publishing and he's worked mm-hmm. for TSR Games, I think is what he's doing now. And I think he has his own podcast as well, which the name escapes me. But thanks, James, for the support. Consider becoming a patron of the show at GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon for the cost of a Uh, moderately priced coffee a month well one coffee period you can support the show for an entire month yeah thanks for joining us next week what are we talking about next week brett we're gonna talk about
1: fronts and campaign construction we're gonna delve into delve into that a little bit see we can see how far we get
0: like weatherman
1: yes like weatherman
0: like cold front
1: this Warm is this, front. this 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 is what I deal with. I'm just telling people right now, if you haven't guessed it, this is this is how this is how this goes. <laughs> ah, forgiving
0: NBS, I'm on your host Sean.
1: And I'm Brad. Good night, good game and all.